0: My name is Phil Pustyovsky, and this is my story. My story starts in college, because that's where I started to see a whole lot of partying going on, and I thought I wanted to be a part of it. I saw a lot of smiling faces and laughing and what I thought were happy people, and what I thought the source of their happiness was was the partying and the drinking. So I got heavily involved in that. And when I graduated from college, I had done so much partying. My grades weren't that good, so I struggled to get a job. So I ended up landing a job as a valet parking cars. And for me, it felt like it was a demotion because I thought I'd gone to college so I could get a better job than that. So it was very humbling. And at the same time, I was still partying a lot, and, uh, and I was struggling. I was broken. I broken relationships. I had my family. My relationship with my family wasn't as strong as it could be. Um, my life was in shambles. And I kept going back to that empty well of, of parties and drinking. I, I, the word is hedonism, and I didn't know that word at the time, but that word basically means that you're trying to find meaning in life from, from pleasure. And Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote that over 3,000 years ago, he, he wrote about how he tried to find meaning in life from pleasure. He had seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines. He had he had all sorts of different homes. He had he was the wealthiest man in the world. And he said, after all of that, he hated life. I know exactly what Solomon was talking about because back then I was hating life. All that partying, I was not. There was no joy. And what I also thought brought meaning in life, just like Solomon, um, when he did his, when he, he wrote that book of Ecclesiastes when he was sharing this knowledge. I thought that happiness came from material goods as well. Nice homes, nice cars, nice this, nice that. So parking cars, I started to notice the people who had the nicest vehicles. And I asked them, I said, what did you do to get this car? Now, some were attorneys and doctors and other professionals. But some had said that they were business entrepreneurs, that they started their own business. Now, remember, I didn't have any money after I graduated from college. I had no intention of going to law school, graduate school becoming a doctor, any of that. So my only shot at making money was to start my own business. And again, I still thought that was the secret to life. So what I did was I went full force into starting my own business. And I chose real estate. And it didn't go very well. That was my dream. I wanted to be a real estate entrepreneur. And I was parking cars and and then... um, I decided the best thing to do would be to really, you know, stop working altogether and focus all of my energy on on on, uh, on this real estate venture. And before long, I was flat broke. I was so broke that what ended up happening was I couldn't pay the rent. So I got kicked out of the place I was staying at and I moved whatever, whatever little stuff I had in my truck. And then I ended up going to sleep in a vacant house in the basement of a vacant house. Because I knew it was vacant. It was. It was. I was in real estate. I knew this house was vacant, and there's mold down there. There's no utilities, and I lived on a case of Bush's baked beans for nearly a month. It was a very painful time, and uh, you can hear my voice changing a little bit because it was. It was painful. I remember one day I, I got poison ivy and. Uh, and i you know i couldn't afford to pay for anything to you know to alleviate the pain so the the sores were just like weeping or oozing you can picture that and i had no ac so it was it was rip roaring hot and i'm in the basement of this place and i'm just crying i'd cry for like hours a day and just ask well, why was this happening to me and you know some people ask well phil why didn't you call your parents and just ask them to help you out well my parents were were uh, a thousand miles away, and I didn't really want to involve them because they were the ones telling me not to quit my job and and uh, and and you know and not start a business without at least having some side income coming in. I was so embarrassed that I didn't want to call them and tell them how bad it had gotten. So I was really just in a bad state. I mean, I, everything was broken in my life. Everything was broken. And someone um, told me, "Phil, you've got nothing else to lose. Maybe you should go to church." And I said. I said, "Look, no offense, but uh, I don't need church right now. What I need is money." And they said, "Well, just give it a shot. you I mean, you got nothing to lose." So I, so I went to church and um, I saw it and I sat in the very back row. And it was two level church, big church. I was in the very back row. I had been to church uh, a little bit growing up, and um, but I, I, I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't really church. I didn't really know what I was doing there. And uh, and the pastor asked to you know come at the end of the sermon, come forward if you want to uh, have prayer. And you went. Um, you want to be restored, and you want to re- remove the pain that you're experiencing in life. And and, um, and I responded to that, and I, I walked down all the way from the top row. I walked all the way down the stairs, and went all the way through the. You know, there's all these people staring at me as I walked down that aisle. I mean, and I'm so embarrassed, and but at the same time, I'm so hurting. I just needed something, and so I I responded to that that uh, that call, and. I believe at the time I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, but I don't really know because I don't really know what, what I had done there. I just know I was so hurting that day. And, um, but I then began to look into, into Christianity and Jesus Christ. And I began to read books and, and I had to get the books from the library, but I, you know, I began to really look into this and, and I asked friends that, that I was, was hanging around and they of course thought I was crazy. And they said, they tried to prove to me that, that organized religion was bunk. And, and they had some good arguments, and I, and I believed them. And uh, so just as easy as I'd made that response, I was right back to, uh, to brokenness. And, um, and this is what happened. Now, what I was doing was I was refereeing peewee football on Saturdays. So I didn't really have a job, but I had a little bit of side income coming in. And, um, and uh, one Saturday, they didn't ask me to, to referee, and so I had no money. And I actually ran out of gas and um, I got stuck at a gas station because I tried to limp onto the gas station. And I got there, but I realized that there was no money on my, on my debit card. So I was stuck and uh, I had no money and no change in the glove box. I had no cash in, in my wallet. I had no anything left on a credit card. I was tapped out and I, I couldn't even get back to my mold ridden uh, vacant, no utilities on basement. I mean, I was stuck and, uh, And it was there that I made a deal with God. Now, if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, um, you're not supposed to make a deal with God. But uh, at the time, I didn't really consider myself a Christian. So uh, I guess I could do that. (laughs) And here's the deal. I said to God, I said, God, I don't know if you're real or not. You know, I, I see Christians out there, but I just see so many people have explained to me why, you know, you don't exist. If you're real, please prove it to me. If you can get me out of this mess, out of this homelessness mess I've gotten myself into, I'll be your biggest fan. I'll be your cheerleader for life. Now, what most people don't realize is when you make a deal with God, He holds up to His end of the bargain. He does. In fact, I heard a story the other day. Uh, you probably heard of the, the song Amazing Grace. And Amazing Grace, the story behind the song, the, the author of that song is a guy by the name of John Newton. Now, John Newton was a, a captain of a slave trading ship in the mid-1800s. Slave trade is the most heinous, one of the most awful things in the history of humanity. And the slave trading in that time was absolutely unspeakable. They would take people from Africa, they'd throw them on these boats, 400 to a boat, and by the time they got to Bermuda or Jamaica, it was down to 100 people. It was awful. And he ran this for 20 years, going back and forth from the Ivory Coast of Africa to, uh, to basically that Bermuda-Jamaica area, back and forth, back and forth. And it was heinous and it was awful. And one of those trips, it had been 20 years, he'd been in a long time, one of those trips he hit a massive Atlantic Ocean storm and he thought he was going to die. And he made a deal with God. And he said, God, if you can save me from the storm, I will quit this awful business and I will commit my life to you. Well, he did survive that storm. And he And he he moved to London. He became a pastor of a small church in London. And one of the hymns he wrote was Amazing Grace. And if you hear the words to that song, next time you listen to it, just picture who wrote it. A man who ran a slave trading ship for 20 years. And that song, Amazing Grace, is the most well-recognized song in the world. All because of a deal with God. So I made this deal with God. That God, if you, if you can bring me out of this mess, I will be your cheerleader for life. And that's what I said to him. I said, out of this mess. I didn't get specific. You know, I didn't ask for a lot of money. I didn't ask for a, for a wife. I didn't ask for a great life. I just asked to get out of the mess. Well, what he did was he got me out of that mess. And I don't have to go through all the details. It took some time. Uh, It took a lot of time. He introduced me. um, He brought me a guardian angel, a business mentor who showed me how to make money. And I responded to that. And I remember the gentleman said to me, he said, look, if you you are so committed to a life of of real estate entrepreneurship that you're willing to go homeless, I can show you how to make money. But you're going to have to listen to me. And I said, yes, sir. And it worked. And so I'll never forget the first big real estate deal we did. Let me lay down the exact details. I had um, I had done a few small flips with him and, and made a couple thousand here and there, enough to just get me into a place where I at least had a place to rent. And then my first big deal, um, we sold a house and, and, um, and I was having trouble finding the buyer and I, I was... I was driving in front of the people that were going to see the home. It was a big home on sixteen acres in Middle Tennessee, and and as I drove toward the house, there's a long driveway. I uh, I got to the house before they did, and as I saw them driving, um, three deer pranced in front of the door, in front of their car, and um, and they were sold, and they bought that house. We made fifty six thousand dollars on that first deal, and I'll never forget. I asked them, you know, why they bought that home, and they said because those deer ran across their 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 car or ran in front of their car as they were driving down the driveway. And um, about a year later, I, I remember I, they had a question for me, and I talked to them. I said, "Hey, I'm, you see deer a lot in your house?" And they said, "No, I'm afraid that's one of the few times we've ever seen deer on our property." So um, so God showed up that day when He hewed uh, <laughs> <cued> the deer <laughs> and. Um, and that was just one of so many small miracles along my path that I saw God showing up. And and along that travel, I, I, I began going to a church, and um, I I on, um, on November 28, 2004, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ for real, and then I got baptized. And when I got baptized... Um, I was surrounded by some wonderful people in a church group that, uh, that nurtured me and helped me. There was a gentleman there who, um, who really understood the issues, and I'd ask him big questions about Christianity, about Jesus, and he could always answer me with an intelligent answer. And it was, it was amazing. The big questions, the big theological questions that, that I was, you know, that the friends of mine from college had explained to me couldn't be answered. Um, Christ could answer them, and uh, and that friend of mine, he uh, he worked for a Christian organization, and he was remarkable in helping me in those early years, helping me to understand just the truth of Jesus Christ. And so, from an intellectual standpoint, I was I was fully uh, convinced of the of the power of Jesus Christ and the fact that he is who he says he is. Uh, but also experimentally, God was showing up. in in all forms of my life. So I was at church one day and the the pastor said, if you really want to improve your relationship with Christ, you need to start serving him, not just sitting in the pew. And he said, we need some help with Sunday school teachers. And I said, I I said to myself, I said, I'm not a teacher. I said, but I want to have a a strong relationship with Christ. So I responded to that and I, I told them I, I would, I would teach Sunday school and, uh, and, and uh, I said, but I don't know all the issues and all the answers. So if they ask me big questions, I won't have the answers to them. And they said, well, you're teaching sixth grade Sunday school, Phil. You won't have any problems. Well, that's not true. <laughs> sixth graders ask you tougher questions than any adult. Let me tell you, those sixth graders are tough. But they honed in my uh, my knowledge of Christ. And I was teaching sixth grade Sunday school. And I remember I was working all the time with my business I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to find a a wife. How am I ever going to meet anybody? I don't go out to bars. I don't go out to parties. All I do is work all day. And if I'm not working, I go to church on Sundays. And, um, lo and behold, there's a gorgeous blonde haired girl about my age teaching seventh grade Sunday school. And, um, she was actually part of a, a church group I was in, but I didn't really know her at all. And, um, the time actually, she was dating somebody. But uh, uh, one day, I was walking out of uh, teaching sixth grade, and seventh grade was an hour later, and it was a cold November day. And and she walked by with her friend, and I said hello, and we knew who each other were, and um, and she gave me a big hug. Now she doesn't doesn't say that she actually did that. She says it was a very light hug, but I thought it was a big hug. And so that afternoon, I um, uh, I uh, I looked up the little register, the little A pamphlet of all the people's information in our church group and i called her up and uh, i didn't know what to say to her i didn't know what to you know because i was just calling her out of the blue but i wanted to respond to that big hug of hers. i knew something was up (laughs) and she was beautiful and i was like man i might as well give it a shot right and um and i was thinking to myself well geez if she met me in church i've got god on my side i mean how can i go wrong and so i called her up and i was kind of nervous to call her but i gave her a shout and we start talking, and I, you know, I didn't know what to say. And I asked her, what, so what'd you do today?" And she said, "Well, I, uh, I, uh, I was part of giving an orphanage a Christmas party today. It was like the very end of November." I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, "Yeah, I, um, I you know, we had the the kids at this orphanage give us a list of what they wanted from, you know, as Christmas gifts, and." I went out to the community and, and, and raised the money and whatnot to get the gifts um, purchased. And then I, uh, I put on a Christmas form today. And uh, I said, oh, my gosh, you know who my age in their, their early, early 20s takes the initiative to give an orphanage a Christmas? And I knew I had something there. And I knew this girl was special. And so we, um, we started dating and, and um, praise the Lord, we, um, we got married. And uh, now we have a, a wonderful daughter, and uh, she's an extraordinary human being. And um, so the first real, real gift God gave me when I made that deal with him is he got me out of, uh, he got me out of homelessness and, uh, and into a, a place where I, had, I could live. The second thing he gave me was, was peace and joy um, in life. And so that was a very big deal. Then he gave me a wife and a wonderful daughter. He gave me a family. Um, systematically, God has put together an extraordinary life for me. Everything that I have, every relationship, all the great things in my life are because of my decision to give my heart to Jesus Christ. Now, uh, as far as business, as I speak to you now, um, I don't want to share detailed numbers, but I can tell you um, I've probably earned... And the top 1% of all income earners in this country in America is the wealthiest country in the world. I, I can't even imagine just how much he has blessed me with. And I've tried to keep in mind that um, that this is all God. And, um, and one of my spiritual mentors is somebody I've never met before, a guy by the name of R.G. Letourneau. And he made famous this line. He said... It's not how much of my money I give to God, but how much of God's money I keep for myself. And so I try to remind myself of that with every passing year. And the more and more God blesses uh, the business I'm a part of, and I try to consider God my business partner. But really, He's more than my partner. He owns my business. I'm a steward of of His resources. And I try the very best I can to be a great steward. Now nobody's perfect, and I don't think I'm perfect either. And I'm sure I make all sorts of mistakes. Uh, maybe my my associates and my customers may find fault at times, but uh, I really feel like Jesus Christ um, is my uh, is my business owner, and uh, and I'm just his. I'm just a manager. And so when it's all said and done, here on this. Uh, Recount of my story, where I am right now in my life is I have great relationships. I have an extraordinary business. Uh, in fact, I'm um, I'm about to move to Florida to live uh, on the water. Uh, it was a dream of mine to do that. And, you know, God gives you the desires of your heart um, if you serve him. And um, it's so true. That deal I made with God, just get me out of this mess, God, and I'll be your cheerleader for life. This is me being his cheerleader. I don't know that I, I scream from uh, street corners, but I try to show through my life story that Jesus Christ is real and that everything in my life is because of my decision to come to Christ. And, and if, you, if you're coming from my background in college and you're intellectual, if you search long enough and hard enough, you'll find that Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is from an intellectual standpoint. And if you didn't come from that background, maybe you didn't come from that background, but you maybe you've struggled financially, maybe you've been homeless like me, look, Jesus Christ can pull you out of there. Now, I'm not going to say Jesus Christ is going to make you a millionaire because he's got a different plan and purpose for everybody. So if you don't know Jesus Christ right now, if you've been inspired by my story, if you want to have the joy and the peace that I have every day, if you want to have all the blessings that God can provide for you, respond you can respond right now you can pray this prayer you can say Dear Heavenly Father I pray that you bring Jesus Christ into my heart Dear Heavenly Father I'm a sinner I have sinned and I want to pray that Jesus Christ can wash me of those sins Lord I give my heart to your son Jesus Christ please come into my life if you prayed that prayer it will change your life forever there is no question that everything i am everything i was and everything i ever will be is because of jesus christ and i'm not a pastor <laughs> i'm not a preacher just an ordinary guy. Just a normal guy who responded to Jesus Christ. I'm Phil Pustyowski.